good to be back. Uh, last week, uh, Jasmine, our summer intern, shared with you, got you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Uh, I was watching online, and, and she, was, she started talking about how she wanted you guys to break up into small groups, and, and I was like, what is, she, what is she doing? She can't do that. She, like, she's, making, she's making them uncomfortable. She can't do it. And then I thought, she can do whatever she wants. She's leaving, right? So... <laughs> She did whatever she wanted, and she made you guys uncomfortable, which was good, got you out of your comfort zone, got you opening up your heart to one another, which I think is awesome. Uh, Today, we start a new series uh, that's really a promotional series uh, for an experience that's called Rooted. Uh, Two weeks ago, I outlined for you the next five years of where we as leaders believe the Lord is taking us, and one of the tools that we believe that God's given us in the area of spiritual formation is this tool called Rooted. Uh, before we get into it, though, I want, to, uh, I want us to open up to Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew 28, Jesus is coming to the end of his time on earth. He has been crucified. He comes back from the dead. And he, uh, he's on the earth then for 40 more days. And he spends these 40 days with his disciples. They're eating and they're, uh, they're camping and they're fishing and they're you know, just hanging out with one another. And then they all go up onto this mountain and uh, Jesus ascends into heaven. It's called the ascension. And Jesus ascends into heaven. And as he's ascending into heaven, which I know sounds crazy, right? You're like, I don't even know if that's possible. And you're like, but if you can get, if you can get through the whole Jesus coming back from death into life, then I think you can make this leap. And so Jesus is coming in, uh, up into heaven and he gives the disciples some marching orders. And really he's giving these marching orders to every one of us. Anyone that would say, I'm a Christ follower. These are your instructions that Jesus gives you until he returns. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then he ascends into heaven. He says, first I want you to go. And it's a pretty specific instruction because what he doesn't want is he doesn't want us to just hang out here. He doesn't want us to just stay here, be comfortable, and wait for him to return. He actually gives us very clear instructions. No, I actually want you to go out, and I want you to make disciples. I want you to tell people about me. Not, not just hold it to yourself, but actually go and, and, and let people know in your community, in your neighborhoods, in your city, at your workplace, that I exist and that I bring hope to the world, and, and I want you to go and make those disciples. And when people respond to me, he says, then I want you to baptize them. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we get the privilege of doing that. Uh, last service, we baptized four individuals, and uh, this service, we get to baptize one, one of our next-gen students, which I'm excited about. So, so we're baptizing... You want to hold it down? I'm just kidding. We're not giving shout-outs right now. I don't care if she is one of your own. Um, so we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, 
And then I want you to teach. So I don't want you to just leave people where they're at at this surface level understanding of their relationship with God. I actually want you to teach them what it means to continue to be a Christ follower. The word teach there has this double meaning. I want you to learn what it is to look like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to live like Jesus. Not just learn how to get out of hell and into heaven. Not, not to learn how to you know, get a prayer answered, but actually to, to be in a setting where you are hearing the promises of God on a regular basis. To, to learn and understand what it is to live love, and just be a reflection of Jesus Christ to this world. And honestly, I think that it's why it's so important to go to church. And, it's, and I say this, and it's, I'm even hesitant to say it because it seems like it's like, oh, he, all he cares about is his job security. And at the end of the day, it, this isn't the case. All he cares about is he doesn't want to preach to an empty room. But at the end of the day, I believe that our attendance in church actually is an important part of hearing the promises of God. Uh, all the statistics today say that uh, people go to church once every three weeks. And uh, I don't know what the math is on that. I took math for ministers, so you, somebody who's smarter than me do the math. But I think it's not very many times a year. But what if we flipped that? What if we instead went to church three times a month and, and then just took a week off? Right? What, what would that look like? If we went to church 40 times a year, because we got stuff. There's birthday parties that fall on Sundays, and you know, there's things that are more important than Jesus. On, I, I'm just kidding. That sounded like a guilt trip. That there are things where you're unable to go to church on Sunday, and I get that. But so let's just conservatively say 40 times a year. There would be 40 different things that you hear about Jesus instructing us to do in practical ways in which to live that out in our life. There would be 40 things to do in your year that God's called us to do. To me, it begin, it's a, a direct correlation to our, our church attendance is a direct correlation to the, the kind of this destruction of our society, our cultural society. And, and I don't mean that just in that it's just our church attendance, or just our sitting in the seat and showing up. I, it is that relationship with God, that going deeper with God, that is that direct correlation of a a culture and a world that is experiencing immense, immense destructive behavior coming out of a season, not a season, I mean, we just are in a season of destruction. And, uh, you know, as we were gone this last week, we, we weren't immune to the news and knowing what's going on in our society and just the evil that exists and I wonder, maybe the solution is not to talk about it, but to actually press into our relationship with God and have a healthy understanding of God's love for us. He says, I need you to teach these things, which means you not only need to learn, but you also need to share. 
And to be honest, some, there are some who have been in the church a very, very long time, and you're not sharing anything with anyone. And the definition of that is selfish. If we have the Holy Spirit in us, if we call ourselves Christ followers, if we are to be teachers of who God is, then the honest truth of that is that we should be teaching kids, teaching our kids, teaching the kids of this church. We should be involved with Next Gen. We should be leading a life group. We should be doing things that put us in opportunities to be in relationship with people. And I'm not talking about teaching as in dropping little truth bombs on Facebook and then just be like, oh, let's see what happens. Like, no, like, like actually being in relationship with people where you're teaching people what God's done in your life to someone else. We exist as a church to pull this off, to pull off the, this great mission, this great co-mission that Jesus has given us. We say around here that our mission is to connect people to real love and real life. Well, real life it's not what we're being sold by this world. What we're told by culture is that real life is to, to live a life in balance. That if, I wish I would have had a balance beam here, but I, I'm just so, I, I'm amazed. If you've ever watched Olympic gymnasts, they, they, the most fascinating thing to me is the balance beam. And, and it's fascinating because you, here you have these women who are on like two inches of board. Anybody know what the actual dimension is? Four inches. Pardon me. It's four inches. I said, in, I said two inches in first service and people were like, oh no, it's way bigger than that. Oh yeah, it's twice that. But So four inches with my 11, 11, size 11 foot, it looks like two inches. But they're, they're doing these unthinkable things on this balance beam. And if I were to stand on a four-inch balance beam, I don't even know if I could balance on it. Not, not doing flips or anything along those lines. So you're just going to have to imagine I'm on a balance beam. It's this line right here. And what culture tells us is you have to live this balanced life. You have to live a life where you're, you're balancing things out. And what culture does is, and this world does, is it, it starts handing you things while you're trying to balance. We're about to go into this new school year, right? And, and your kids are going back into their routine of being in school. And some of you are really excited about that. Some of you have, have enjoyed the break. Uh, wherever you fall in that, your life is about to have to have more balance in it. You, you, we're handed things like dance, and sports, and scouts, and, and all of this stuff, and all of these things were piling on while we're trying to balance in this life. And then the church says, oh, and you should read your Bible more, and oh, you should be on a life group. And you're like, I can't take anymore. And the reality is, is I don't think, here's what we end up saying in times like this, in seasons going into the school year, I just need to have more balance in my life. Well, there's apps that will help you get your life more balanced. There's, there's life coaches, oh, we'll help you balance your life. The problem is, is I don't even think that that's a biblical principle. I'm gonna read to you this quote, the idea of balance 
logically entails something fixed, equivalent, uniform, and average. Yet none of these words describe the well-lived life. Balance is a false ideal that doesn't guide us toward health, but instead diverts us into despair. It puts an impossible burden on us. Bruce Miller said that in Your Life in Rhythm, that that this idea that the world is selling us, that culture is selling us, that you, you have to just balance everything. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's realistic. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, Paul tells us, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. And he says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. How many of you uh, went on a vacation or some sort of trip uh, this summer with, a, with one of your children? How many, how many of you did that? Yeah, um, we did. We just got back from one and, uh, and if if you've ever been on a trip with a child, like a, a fun trip, vacation type trip with a child, it usually has a very common thread in the midst of it, a conversation that goes something like this, that when I was your age, I didn't get to do the things that you get to do. And we experience this. I'm picking on my son. My kids love it when I bring them up in messages, uh, by the way. Uh, no, they hate it. Um, but they make great illustrations. It's Jesus' work, you guys. Um, so this, uh, this last week, I had the opportunity to, uh, for, for 18 years, our family has been going to the same house uh, every year. Uh, who This man is so generous, he lets us have his house for a week uh, in what's called the San Juan Islands off the coast of Washington. And, uh, and for, it, sounds, it sounds amazing, right? But mind you, it is a small island, and it's our, not just our family, it's my whole family, my sister, brother, nephew, and we're stuck on an island. Sometimes it feels like Survivor, but <laughs> well, we go, we get to be on this island, and uh, it's really one of the most beautiful places on earth, and every year we see uh, seaplanes flying overhead. And I always thought how cool that would be. And uh, last year, I went through Unique, uh, which is something that all of you will have the opportunity to do. And in Unique, one of, the, one of the exercises that you do is you fill out a bucket list for four different areas of your life. And one of the areas is your rest, your play. And one of the items that I put on my bucket list uh, was I would like to fly in a seaplane over the San Juan Islands. And uh, this year, we weren't sure we were going to get to go, and, uh, and so we postponed, we procrastinated. I went to rent a car in Seattle, Washington, last minute, uh, and it was expensive, really expensive. And so I looked and compared the difference between us flying to the San Juans or driving to the San Juan, and it was about the same. So I thought, well, this is our chance. And so I did it, we booked it, we got into the plane, I got to sit next to the pilot in the, in the co I was the co-pilot, I mean, honestly. Um, he didn't let me drive but, or fly, but I was the co-pilot. And I thought, I wonder what would happen if I started flipping things. And, 
And then my wife, my, my, my wife and daughter are freaking out because the previous week in service, I said, I'm going down in a plane. And they're like, we're getting in a plane with you over water. And I'm like, yeah, but it floats. Anyways, so we're in there. My, my wife and two daughters are sitting in the bench seat behind me. And then my son is sitting behind them with a stranger. And I'm just, I, I'm like ear to ear grinning. Like, this is amazing. This is on my bucket list. This is something I've always wanted to do. We're flying. It's beautiful out. And I look back to see just the expression on my kid's face and my wife's face. And my son's all the way in the back and he's dead asleep. (laughs) Just out, knocked out. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. Like, the ungratefulness, like, I didn't get to do these things when I was your age. And he was like, this isn't on my bucket list. This is on your bucket list. The reality is, is we often find ourselves in an ungratefulness or in an entitled sense of of being where we think that we are owed something. And I would just want to remind you that the antidote to ungratefulness, the antidote to entitlement is thankfulness. And Colossians tells us that you will overflow with thankfulness. And where does that come from? It comes when you grow strong in the truth. Well, how do you grow strong in the truth? When your lives are built on him. How do you build your life on him when your roots grow down. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8 says, in view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. He says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. When I read that passage of scripture, it should be one of those passages that we highlight, that we underline in our paper Bibles or highlight in our digital apps. It's one of those ones that you should print out, put on the refrigerator or on your mirror so you can read it in the morning. When I read that, when we make every effort to respond to God's promises, I'm reminded of the fact that I want to have a life of faith that has knowledge, but it also has self-control and patient endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love for everyone. I want that in my life. The problem is, is just knowing it doesn't transform my life. We actually have to participate. We have to do something. And what God is telling us is that if you grow deep with me, it will become a natural byproduct of your life. If you press your roots deep into relationship with me, then thankfulness and godliness and patience and all of those things start to exude out of you. If you want more of those things in your life, maybe your roots need to go deeper into your relationship with him. So as a church, we want to provide an opportunity for all of us to get rooted in Christ. For you to not just know about God, but to actually know God. To to not just to hear people say, you know what, I hear from God, but for you to actually hear from God. 
for you to, to, to not just own a Bible, but to understand your Bible, for you to, to not just say, well, I'm just not good enough to pray or, or I don't know how to pray, but to actually have the confidence and the understanding of what it means to communicate with your creator. We want to provide that opportunity because balance, this life that says if you just juggle all these things and you stay on, on the straight path, then, then, then that will be fulfillment. That doesn't give you the life that you want. I promise that. Balance doesn't prepare you for the storms of your life. I've never heard anybody say, I just lost my job, but it's okay because my life's in balance. I've just been diagnosed with cancer. No problem. I'm living a balanced life. See, when the storms of life come, it's not a balanced life that's going to give us hope And to get us through those things, it's going to be a person that is rooted in Christ because it puts us on mission with him. We believe that rooted is something that we've been looking for. It's a tool. It's not the end all. I'm sure there are plenty of other great tools out there. But this is a tool in which the staff has vetted and gone through. This is a tool in which we have a group of people who have been in a beta Uh, group that are finishing today, tonight's their celebration, we know that, that this is effective and fruitful, that fruit comes out of this tool. And we want to create an opportunity for you to get rooted in Christ. Because without it, we just exist hoping that we're not going to hell. And I don't want that for us. Without without being rooted in Christ, all we do is we just come every Sunday morning and we hear the message, but then we don't actually go as we've been instructed and make disciples. And this is one of the ways in which we can help equip you to make disciples. So it's a tool. It's something that we believe in. It's something that we feel is an experience. It's not just a curriculum. It's an experience for you to... Uh, connect you to God, connect you to the church, connect you to your purpose. It's, it's an opportunity for you to be who God's called you to be. It's not something you graduate from, but it's something that accelerates you into your God-given calling and purpose that was instructed to us by Jesus himself to go and make disciples and to teach others, and that he would be with us always. But here's the thing, is that at the end of the day, it's not about you. Like when you go through this experience, it's not really for you to just check off the box and say, hey, I've done rooted. I'm one step closer to heaven. No, it's really for you to actually be equipped to then go, and to be and to participate in the kingdom work of God. All of us have people in our life, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces who are far from God. And there are people who God adores and loves that are in our life that they don't have a relationship with him and they don't even know about him. And we have the opportunity to go and make disciples and teach others 
about the difference that God has made in our life. So our staff, as I said, has gone through it. We did not go through the full experience. We went through kind of a cursory overview of it. Uh, but we also had a group who, as I just said, went through the beta. And, and I just thought, you know, oftentimes what happens is in the church, the pastor comes and he pitches an idea or a thought to you and then expects everybody to get on board and to buy in. And so instead this Sunday, I thought maybe you ought to hear from people who've actually been through the full experience and see if it's somehow changed their lives. And so I'm going to invite uh, some of the people from our beta group to come join me. And they're going to share with you how rooted, how God, through rooted, has impacted their life. First, Tara, come share with us. Sorry, I didn't realize you were going first. Before Rooted, I was taller. Um, So before Rooted, the seven people in my group were just acquaintances of mine. We met at church. I would say hi to them. I knew that they had children, but I didn't really know them. Through Rooted, during our groups, we we shared personal testimonies. We had some quite lively discussions at times, and we all prayed for each other. And through that, I learned that these people are funny, they're honest, and they're humble. And they're with me in my pursuit of knowing Jesus better, and they're alongside with me doing that. Um, So after Rooted, I'm connected to them. Good morning, I'm Caroline. Um, Before Rooted, I didn't know what spiritual strongholds were. In fact, one time in casual conversation, I smiled and nodded and pretended like I knew because I didn't want to come across as ignorant. Um, But after week five of Rooted, I learned about strongholds and was able to address some in my life and really have found some peace that I didn't have before and continue to, to pray for that healing in my life. Hi, my name is Karina Allen, and um, before Rooted, um, I didn't even realize I was guarded, but I was, and during week five as well, it was a really nice session. So during week five, we were asked to ask the Holy Spirit um, if there were any strongholds in our life to show us what it was so that we could pray for each other. So I heard from the Holy Spirit that I was guarded, and I had a problem trusting people in such a way that it was becoming a stronghold. So I was able to see it, and we all pray for each other. It was a really good session. So after Rooted, I am learning and continuing to learn to trust people. Hi, my name is Bruce, and now my wife trusts me. That's good. Um, well, you know, before I, before I started, just add, sorry. Um, before, before I started Rooted, um, how I would say it, would, I, I don't think I thought of it until I took the, you know, started going through it. But um, I was settling for a spiritual walk that I thought I could get by with, um, which is a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes, but that was kind of what I reduced it to. Um, and why I say that is because I was allowing myself to accept a lower standard of devotion to God. Um, 
unconsciously, of course. But when I uh, when we started the rooted course, we we I immediately walked in with this kind of idea that I've done things like this before in the past. I've you know been a Christian for a while, and um, so I've been through things like this before, and and I kind of walked in, not that I thought it was I knew it all, but just kind of I wasn't expecting anything greater than. I was just kind of operating off of previous knowledge. But I have to be honest, uh, in week eight, we hit this lesson, and uh, it was about finances, and the, the particular section was owner versus manager. Phenomenal lesson. Now, it took eight weeks for me to get to the point where I understood that, which means seven weeks was developing. Um, and I got to the realization that uh, the Holy Spirit impressed upon me about understanding this dynamic would affect everything else. So honestly, I got to the second, um, the, 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 after taking Rooted, I got to this realization that now I needed to respond out of divine purpose, which God would be pleased with and respond to. That's good. good. Thank you, guys. So Rooted is a, uh, it's a 10-week experience, uh, which uh, is a long time, right? I mean, that's a, that's a big commitment. It's a big commitment, especially when you're trying to balance your life with everything in it. And I would just say, could you, can you afford five more months of living a life not rooted in Christ? And and I, that's not intended to be any sort of guilt. It's just the reality of the life in which we live. That if we spend all of our time just adding another sport or another thing for our kids or another class or another project at work or whatever the case, that at some point we're going to fall off the beam. And is there anything about that that's going to help you get through this life? So I would just argue that you have an opportunity and we want to create an opportunity. And this isn't the only time in which you'll have this opportunity. We're kicking off some rooted groups in the fall. Uh, and in fact, we're starting very small. Uh, there's just a handful of leaders that will be leading people through it because we want to build momentum with it. A lot of times churches will launch these big campaigns and ask everybody to be a part of it and uh, and you, you'll have this big involvement initially, and then it'll die off, and we're actually starting small and growing out of it because at some point, we want every person at Lifehouse Church to go through a rooted group. No matter how long you've been, you could, be, you could have gone to Sunday school with Moses, and, and, and the reality is, is, is you can learn something in this, that, that there's just something that God wants to do through this experience, and, and we want you to be a part of it. And so you'll be hearing over the next few weeks ways in which you can get signed up. You could say, well, I'm already part of a life group. Well, this isn't a life group. This is rooted groups. And rooted groups uh, are different than life groups. The hope is that once you participate in a rooted group, that that becomes your life group. That now all of a sudden, because you've actually gone deeper than just surface level, you'll continue to do life together. Uh, and if you are a part of a life group, chances are your life group will be leading you through a rooted group this fall. Uh, so there's going to be opportunity for you to be a part of this. Uh, this is a big part of the three-spoke 
future of where we're headed in the spiritual formation of our church. And I believe it will move us from just having knowledge and information to being transformative in the culture that we live in, in the places that God has put us to go and make disciples and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then continue to teach them what it means to be a Christ follower. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your love and your grace over us. And Lord, I thank you for the, the privilege that it is to, to be leading this church. And, and Lord, we believe that you have more for us, that, that you're, you want more of us. And, and it's not that you, you need more from us, but, but God, you, you want a deeper relationship with your people. And I think if, God, I'll just speak for myself. I know that in my own life that there's room for my roots to go deeper in my relationship with you. God, for us as a church, as we venture into this fall season, let us be a people who are not trying to balance the world, but we're focusing our hearts and our minds and going deeper in our relationship with you. God, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite the, the ushers to come, and, and uh, we're going to receive our tithes and offerings, and then I'm going to give you some instruction on baptism. And, uh, and we have the privilege to uh, baptize Bree Mellon. And uh, now, now you can give a shout out. Uh, I'm going to pray for our offering, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you some instruction. Father, thank you for uh, the privilege that it is to give. And we do this as a part of our worship time because it is that. It's a, it's a part of our praise. It's a sacrifice of our praise, and it's really a point of surrender where we say all of our heart belongs to you, that, that we don't live partially hearted towards you, but we live wholeheartedly towards you. Uh, even in our finances. And we trust that everything that we have has come from you in the first place. And so this is a recognition of that. God, we pray that there will continue to be life change that takes place and that people will come into relationship with you through Lifehouse Church. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, go ahead. And in just a moment, I'm gonna invite uh, Bree to the platform and we get to witness the, the baptism of her. And, and I just want to explain to some of you who may not understand baptism, uh, depending on the, the church background that you've been a part of. But the way that we explain things around here is baptism is like a wedding ring. The, your wedding ring doesn't, doesn't make you married. It just tells the world that you are married. And baptism doesn't save you. This isn't a salvation step. What it does do is it tells the world that you're saved, that, that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And so when we baptize, we immerse as in uh, the example that was given to us by Jesus as he went to John the Baptist and uh, was immersed into water. And the symbolization of this is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that that you're going down as the person who you were before Christ, but when you come up, you're coming up as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you're testifying to the world 
from this moment on, I want everybody to know that I'm a Christ follower and I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna make disciples, I'm gonna baptize them, I'm gonna teach them, I'm gonna do all of the things that God's called me to do. Bree, why don't you join us? Why don't we stand? And as the worship team leads us in worship, we'll baptize. And, and the way we do things at Lifehouse is this is one of those sacraments that, that isn't done in reverence and, and quiet and all of that. It's actually a celebration. And so think in your minds like your greatest sporting event, that's how you celebrate this event because it's the amazing testimony of what God has done in Bree's life And she's telling all of you that she's going to live her life for the rest of her life in this. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness soar through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written Jesus Christ my Well, Lord, we close our time out today uh, with those words on the tip of our tongue, recognizing that you are our hope. And God, as we leave this place, let us leave commissioned, emboldened, equipped to go and to make disciples, to share with people, not something that we don't know, but share what we do know, and that is that you have made a difference in our life. And so God, could we be a people who reflect that to the world that we live in? that we would be a people who tell others about how you've changed us and made a difference in our life.